the really two important takdamas to talk about when we're talking about the Sefer Kazari. The first one is the background to the story of the Khazari. And uh, the second one, the first one is the background to the story of the Khazari, and the second one is the point of what we're learning. What's the. What's the limit of the Khazari? What's the limit of the Sefer meant to be? So, first, what's the historical background to the Khazari? What we know, even though the Sefer we have was written by Rabbi Huda Halevi, Rabbi Huda Halevi was uh, lived at the same time as the Ezra, which means he lived in the middle 1200s, approximately. He was going to write the Sefer. The story of the Khazari happened a long time before that. The story happened a long time before that. We have correspondence between Rechista ibn Shaprut, who was the Prime Minister of Aragon in Spain in the 1000s. That's 200 years before approximately. Correspondence between him and Yosef, the king of the Khazari. So the Khazari was a real thing. So the Khazari was a real story. It was, and it happened a long time before what was the story was pretty much what the the story was pretty much what this, how he started to say it there was a country of, called Khazar somewhere today near where Kazakhstan is and uh, the, the king and his ministers first and then afterwards the whole country embraced Yiddishkeit as a religion uh, they lasted for about three, four hundred years, the kingdom of Khazar. And in the correspondence between him and Stephen Shaprut, so Rafistar asked, I've heard about you and I've heard about this Jewish country, and please tell me about the country. So, yes, the king of the Khazar writes back to him exactly where the country is and how big it is. He was the the one who, uh, so to speak, had the dialogue with the king and who helped him and the entire country come to Yiddishkeit. Now, he went from Babel to, from Babel to, to Kazakhstan, which was, was the nearest major Jewish kid at the time, was Babel. So they, they invited him to come? Or? They invited him to come. They invited him to come, and he was the Chacham who had the dialogue with, with the king and eventually caused him and the whole country to convert. Now, the only question 
remaining is, is the exact dialogue which the Kuzari tells us between the king and the Chacham, exactly how the way the dialogue happens. In other words, Rabbi Yudah somehow get a record of the dialogue and he's writing it down. Or is he constructing the arguments on his own based on what the king would have asked and how he answered? That's not clear. Right, right. In other words, the facts are for sure true. And the question just was, was the actual dialogue recorded and written or not? Why would Rabbi Yudah do this? In other words, if you wanted to write, first you explain why he wrote the Kuzari, but you have to explain why would he do that? Why, why would you have an Indian of, so to speak, writing it as, so to speak, a historical account as opposed to, as opposed to what he wrote to the same cell? So there are two answers given for that. Now, first, the first point, why is it a question? The reason it's a question is because we have other writings from Rav Levi where he says, what he says in the name of the Chacham, he says himself. So is it that he learned from the Chacham who spoke to the king of the Kuzari, and therefore he, when he's expressing his own opinion, he just repeats what he heard from him? Or is it true that he was just mentioning his own opinion in the name of the anonymous Chacham? Why would he have done this? So the answer is partial. You have to know happened at the time. But at the same time, we had the time Ramban. And uh, we all know that the Ramban publicly debated a Christian so to speak, scholar of the Christianity, in front of the king. And the Ramban, it's hard to argue with the Ramban, if you want to show you, the Kabbalah, if you're a Christian scholar, the Ramban completely destroyed the, the arguments of the Christian scholar. So much so that the king's summation of the argument was, I've never heard the wrong opinion argued so well. Mm-hmm. Right? He was a Christian, what else could he say? Mm-hmm. But as a result, the Ramban had to flee Spain, and he ran to Israel. Because someone who publicly refused Christianity, so he was a danger to the religion. So a lot of the Akronim who write in the Kuzari think that the reason why Yehuda David didn't want to write in his own name, because since he's going to destroy any other religion, so he didn't want it to be dangerous, so either he's the one who's expressing the opinion, uh, he's the one expressing the opinion who's, which is anti the, the religion of the state. And they to say he found an old manuscript which was just bringing publication, which was you know, somebody else saying it a long time before, it protected him, so to speak, from having to kill it, even though it is his opinion. In the end, he went there. In the end, he went. He wasn't chosen. He chose on his own to go. Um, so that's true. So that's the one that The other that is, and uh, like I said, even though we know from his other writings, these were his opinions, but he didn't want to say it in his own name. He put it into a different name. The other that which is important, and that is, uh, as again, you see from the argument of the Ramban, which is that the same scoffer that he wrote to Kuzari, and that is, it wasn't shy to win an argument. Because since the Christians held that they were Christians, they weren't prepared to consider they were wrong. So you could defend Yiddishkeit, and as the king said, you can defend the wrong argument as well as you want. There was no possibility of them changing. The idea of the Khazari was if you take somebody who isn't biased, somebody who's not part of any religion, and he's now looking to explore truth, so the way the Khazari is built is it destroys anything else logically that you maybe you'll have to come to the Emirates. And then again, to do that, you had to present the argument from somebody who isn't already a Christian because in the political times, you couldn't say that he convinced uh, you know, someone to give up Christianity. So it had to be someone who wasn't, so to speak, part of any religion. And he made it that way, he could build the arguments of Yiddishkeit. And at the same time, somebody who wasn't, wasn't biased, who would ask all the right questions, and he asked some hard questions in Yiddishkeit. He, he wasn't... Uh, so to speak, Rabbi didn't only put the questions in his mouth of the king, of the Khazari, like which were, 
so to speak, positive about the Jewish people. He has a lot of tainas also. But what the point he's trying to build is with everything, right? The person's look, approaching it logically, so the maskon is going to be, he's going to accept her. So that's, a, that's the first one. That's the historical story, of this, which is true. And uh, why they say that he used the why they say that he used the framework or that he did in order to transmit that message. That's the first point. Now the second point, and that is why we don't have kazar. What's what's the tell us? What are we trying to gain out of the set? What's the what was it meant to be like? So the MS is that although there are many different topics we learn. Um, whether it's Gemara, whether it's Halacha, whether it's Nach, whether it's Ashkaf, and most of all these things, there's one topic which isn't learned per se. And that's a tragedy. Because it's a basic. It's a so, tragedy. Because that's a basic topic. What's the topic? And that's Emunah. 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 Is it important to learn Emunah? So the Rishonim all held yes. It's interesting. Among the Achronim, there was debate about this. Among the current laws of hold that the Munah should be imbibed, so to speak, and doesn't have to be something which is explained or, or proven, a lot of the Hasidic are write like that. But you don't have to try and intellectually approach a Munah, which should be something which is absorbed. But, but when it comes to the Rishonim, across the board, the Rishonim always, all, all gave tremendous importance to teaching a Munah as a topic. Just for example, let's start with the most famous story, the Rambam. Besides the fact that the Ram gave us the Gimel Ikrim and Shemona Prakim and Marina Vukim, right? but the Ram writes something else which is magnificent. In the Pirish Mishnayas and Brachas, in Perek Tes, so he's talking about the Mishnah, and he digresses to explain the point of Imana. And he wants to excuse himself. I'm trying to explain the Mishnah. So I'm going off topic, so to speak, to talk Imana. So he says, the reason I'm doing this is because whenever I have the chance to explain the principle of Imana, I do it. In my eyes, it's more important than anything else I can teach. To teach a Munah is more important than anything else I can teach. And therefore, even in the Yadah Chazaka, most of it is based on the principles of the Munah that Ram was trying to explain. The Ramban. The Ramban gave us five Sparim on the Munah. Besides for, obviously, what he puts into spiritual Torah, whenever he can. But he wrote the Shah Gmu, the Shah of Reward and Punishment. He wrote Emunah um, Bitochen. He wrote like Dhamma to Purish Eov to explain why Eov had spikes on Emunah and why he was wrong. right? And then he's, uh, in Igor Saramban also, he has a number of dissertations about Emunah. He also he understood this was a primary topic which had to be taught. The others, Rabbi Yasef Albo, Sefer Ekrim. Right? And not, and all the Sfarim we have, which are teaching, all the Betzins, all the Rishonim, they're all focused on this. In Nachronim we have less. We have the Maral, we have the Ramchal. The Ramchal of the fortune animal. Whether it's the Hashem, whether it's the Tfunus, whether it's the Rechitzachayim. The Rechitzachayim, he wrote the fortune animal also. But I'm saying more in the Rishonim, you find them made a specific study, a specific point of, of teaching as a topic. And uh, obviously we have the Kuzar. Which is exactly the same thing. It's taking all the principles of the Muna, just it's using the di- a, f- a form of a dialogue to explain as opposed to writing it in the form of a Sefer. So, that's like Tom. 
Why is it important? Let's finish this part. Why is it important to learn one as a topic? As we see the Rishonim did, we see that they spent a lot of, uh, of their writing was on the topic of Amunah. Why is it important to learn it as a topic? So what I heard from Ramesh uh, Shapiro, who also used to teach uh, for years and years, he taught the Ikrim and other Sifrim, but I heard from him, you said, and uh, that is like this. We talk about a Munashlema. And Imam in Bimunashlema. What's the concept of Imunashlema? What does it add to Imun? If a person is a Munas, he's an Imam. What's the, the high thing of Imunashlema? So he said, before we try and define the word Imunna, but the story first, is there's something called Imunashlema, a complete Imunna. Now, what makes the Munna more complete? What makes it a stronger Imunna? So he always used to say, what makes the Munna more of a Shalindik Imunna, a more complete Imunna, is that it's based on Emes, Emes Vimunna. When it's based on the idea of Emes, then you made the Imunna stronger. When it's based on something which a person doesn't have that same clarity on, it's not as strong. And therefore, what's the, what's the raya for that? Where's the Pasuk in the Torah we learn the Mitzvah Imunna from? The Pasuk in the Torah we learn the Mitzvah Imunna from, it says, V'yadata hayom, v'ha'shevoyz but it has to start with Vyadatu Hayam. And then Vyadatu Yakam is the clarity, the knowledge. Then Vashanavaisarabecha I internalize that knowledge. That what? Kiashem Wadikim. And therefore the Shlaimus of Imana, the conviction how strong it is, is based on the idea. How clear it is. And therefore it's something we can learn. It's as a sugya. It's something which has to be understood. Because the more clearly it's understood, and the more the more it becomes something which makes sense. And we understand it well, the more it becomes a fact in life, something which is which a person lives with. Without that, and I'm saying this from experience of discussing with people for maybe 15, 20 years, everyone says they're a mind. But when you start to talk about concepts of Imunah, what's the difference between Yemos Mashiach and Leila Mabok? What's the difference between the Nisham which goes to Gan Eden and the Nisham which goes to Shiva Shamala? People don't know what the terminology means even. But those concepts in Imunah? For sure, one of the principles of the moon is Chayvainish. What's the Chay? Which one? And how do you relate it? And what's the Einish? How do you relate to Gainer? That's just one, one principle of the moon. I'm not even talking about the principles of Yedias Hashem. That, that's a different level. But even though the concepts which a person grows up with in the Jewish world, they aren't understood. And because they aren't understood, it's not something a person lives with because he doesn't really understand it. It's something he knows about. It's not a Moon and other when, when when these topics are learned, and it's not it's not from from Chazal, from Nusukim, from Chazal, from the Rishonim, when the sugi is learned and the person comes out clear, exactly how it works and what it means, so then it becomes something which becomes much more of a factor in a person's life. So I mean by tefillah, when does tefillah work? How does tefillah work? Are there tefillahs which, which 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 will always work? Are there tefillahs which will never work? When a person knows, he's he dabbling and he's listening. The Muna is right. We say, But there's much more to Torah than that. How does Tfilah work? In what circumstances? And why does it make a difference? And what does it mean that times of Tfilah is more miscavered? And what means that the kinds of Tfilah are more miscavered? And what, 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 which types of Tfilah are never miscavered? When a person understands more how the system works, we made it becomes more of a real thing. 
And therefore, for sure, when you get back now to the first Ikrim of your dear Hashem, so then for sure, the more a person understands, it's not, it doesn't become such an abstract concept, something a person can relate to. And that's the point of learning him on. The choice of Kuzari is a very good choice, because the choice of Kuzari is he takes a person from the eyes of someone who knows nothing. From the eyes of someone who knows nothing, which is the king, who doesn't know anything, if you're going to see next to tomorrow, but when you start the story, and he brings, from that point, he brings into a clear explanation of all the principles. And then again, having uh, putting in this form of a dialogue gives him the advantage that the king can ask anything. But he can attack also. He can disagree. And that, that gives him the chance to be able to explore all the points of Imuna and explain them in a way where a person who doesn't have any pre-knowledge, and he doesn't just rely on, so to speak, uh, what he picked up from society around him, he can explain everything that the king can understand. And uh, as we follow the Kuzari, we become the Talmudim too. And then what the king understands, we also understand. Right? And we come to that same maskana of the clarity of understanding. So that's how come. We spoke about two points. Number one, science for the historical account. That's uh, the MS, is, it's the, uh, the Rabbi Levi's way of explaining to us all the principles of Yiddishkeit. It's not clear if it's his own or he got it from Rabbi Saragasa, but wherever it is, it's a clear explanation from the Rishonim. Of all the principles of Yiddishkeit, we'll see very often it goes with the Ramban. It lived at the same time, it lived at the same door. It took, it took the same approach as the Ramban did. Number one. And number two, the importance of learning such a sefer is because things we as Yidin already know are true. The things we already have been brought up with and bring up our children with, right? But now it gives us a chance to go back and not doubt it, but to understand it. Understand it, clarify it, and matter something which makes a much more of an impact on a person when it becomes a sugar which is learned and understood well. And that's really the key of the that's really the key of the pasuk. The Ramuna starts from Vyadata Hayam. Then once that it's clear, and then only with that what? So that's like the tomorrow we'll start with the story of the Kazari.